This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I want us to take our Bibles this evening and turn to the book of Jonah, chapter number one. We'll begin reading in verse uh, number 17, Jonah chapter number one and verse number 17, and we will read through the end of chapter two, uh, beginning now in chapter one and verse number 17. The Bible says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou hearest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord, and the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Let's pray together this evening. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. And I pray that it would speak to us tonight. That the Holy Spirit would reveal to us the truth of this passage of scripture. And that you would move us closer to you, more in line with your will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice what we read in chapter 2 and verse number 1. The opening words of verse number 1 in chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed. I want to speak to you on that subject. Then Jonah prayed. We know in chapter number 1 that the Lord said to Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh. 
And we find that when Jonah did arise, he did not go to Nineveh. He went down to Tarshish. He was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. He went down and found a boat and got on the boat. The Bible doesn't tell us that he prayed about that. In fact, the Bible doesn't tell us that when God first spoke to him about going to Nineveh that he had any conversation with the Lord. The only thing that we're told is that Jonah rose up, verse 3, to flee unto Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and he went down into it to go with him unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And when he got on the boat, the Bible says that the Lord sent out a great wind in the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. There was a prayer meeting on board that ship. And the Bible says that the mariners began to pray. They began to pray to their gods. But where was Jonah? He was not on his knees. He was on his back, fast asleep. The Bible says in verse 6, So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. The Bible never tells us that Jonah ever fell to his knees to pray. And so Jonah has made all of these decisions, and he's gone all of this way and experienced a great storm and placed the lives of other people in danger. And now finally after he's been cast out of the boat and swallowed by the whale. The Bible says, then Jonah prayed. Reminds me a lot of myself. I imagine it may remind you a lot of yourself. When we get ourselves in trouble because of our disobedience, when we have run away from the Lord, when we have... Uh, been disobedient to his voice and to his will, and we find ourselves in trouble, then we begin to pray. Usually, when a man is about to lose his family, he gets serious about praying. Uh, When someone gets the news that they have a medical condition that could end their life, they get serious about praying. When parents have children who have rebelled and who are in desperate trouble and their heart broken, then they begin to pray. And I'm grateful that in those moments we can pray. But the truth of the matter is we don't have to wait until those moments come to pray. And if we will learn to pray before those moments come to us, we may not travel through those moments. But I'm grateful that in those moments, God hears my prayer. The Bible says in verse number one, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And notice the next three words, he heard me. Praise God. Maybe this evening you find yourself cast overboard, swallowed by the whale, going down, 
I have some good news for you. If you'll cry unto the Lord, he will hear your prayer. It's never too late to turn to the Lord. And here we find that Jonah prayed. Now there's much made of the whale that swallowed Jonah. And the Bible says the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And much debate about whether or not that's possible. Well, if you believe God spoke this universe into existence, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for you and made the payment for your sin, was placed in a tomb and rose again the third day and ascended up into the heavens where he ever lives to make intercession for you, then you have no problem believing that a whale swallowed a man and he lived inside the stomach or the belly of that whale for three days. One author, Thomas John Carlyle, wrote, I was so obsessed with what was going on inside the whale that I missed seeing what was going on inside of Jonah. And the truth of the matter is, that's what is important here. Because not only is God seeking to send a message to a people who will repent and be spared, but God is doing a work in the heart of his servant to draw him closer to him, to bring him uh, in line with God's plan and purpose for his life. Now, God had a plan, right? Arise, go to Nineveh. The problem was that Jonah had a plan, and that was arise and go to Tarshish. But God's plans are not frustrated and, and hindered necessarily to be prevented because of our disobedience. God always knows how to bring his plan to fruition. And when Jonah went down, God pursued him. And he sends the storm and he sends the whale all in an effort to bring Jonah back into line with God's purpose. And in this prayer, we see the work that God is doing in the heart of Jonah to bring him in line with his purpose for his life. And maybe tonight God is bringing you through a storm or a difficulty. And you feel like you are going down. Let me tell you that God can hear your cry and he can work in your life to give you mercy and to bring about his purposes and plans. I want us to note a few things and I hope you'll write them down as we think about this prayer of Jonah. First of all, number one, I want you to see the affliction which prompted his prayer. We've heard the old saying, are you on praying ground? Well, it's certainly true that Jonah was not on praying ground. It was hard for him to rise up and call upon God to send uh, peace to the sea when Jonah knew that the reason the storm had come was because of him. And now Jonah, having told the sailors, cast me overboard, having been swallowed up by the whale, crying out now from the belly of the whale. Notice it again, if you would, please, in, in verse number one of chapter two. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. Here we see it is the affliction. 
It is the circumstance that he was going through, the storm, the, the whale that swallowed him. It was those circumstances that brought him to the place where he would cry out to God. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou hearest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed me over. Here's a man who is in, finds himself in dreadful circumstances. He went out from the presence of the Lord. He went out to do his own thing. He went out in, in disobedience to the Lord, and the Lord is dealing with him, and the Lord is bringing some circumstances about in his life to bring Jonah into line with God's purpose. Notice what Jonah says in verse number 3, For thou hadst cast me into the deep. Now, we understand in chapter number one that Jonah said to the men, if you want the storm to stop, and that's the question they ask, what do we have to do to get this storm to end? Then he said, you're going to have to cast me overboard. And we know that the sailors did everything they could to, to prevent that from happening. They tried to row and bring the ship uh, into land, but they could not do it. And so they decided in desperation to throw Jonah overboard. And overboard he went, and into the sea he went, and sinking down into the depths of the sea. The fish that God prepared came along and swallowed him up. You see, these circumstances were not brought about by happenstance. It wasn't just a storm that happened to arise. It wasn't just a fish that happened to be say, uh, swimming by. It was the hand of God using a circumstance or a set of circumstances to bring Jonah to the place where he is willing now to stop moving in his own rebellion against God and to start seeking God. He is crying out to God. He has no other place to go, and it is his affliction that is prompting his prayer. And what we understand here is that the Lord is in control of the circumstances of our lives. We who belong to God know that we have a God who is sovereign over the affairs of men. And that God is working all things together for good to them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And so every trial and every difficulty and every circumstance, and by the way, those don't only come to us because of our disobedience. They often come to us in our obedience. In this case, specifically, in Jonah's life, this trial has come to him because of his disobedience. He knows it. Nobody has to tell him in his heart that storm has been raging all the while he's been fleeing from God's presence, all the while he's been disobeying the Lord. But now it's manifest in nature and in the circumstances of his life, and he knows without a shadow of a doubt that God is dealing with him. Have you ever been there? When there was nobody else in the world, just you and God, and you knew that God was after you, you knew that God was dealing with you, this is where Jonah finds himself. 
And we can have great confidence in knowing that what comes to us in our lives comes to us through the hand of a loving God and a wise God who is bringing about his purpose. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. I was off course, the psalmist said, but then affliction came. And when affliction came to me, it caused me to stop. It caused me to find a new course. And therefore, now I am keeping thy word. We find a similar circumstance in the life of Manasseh. I'd like to ask you, if you would, to take your Bible. Go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 33. 2 Chronicles chapter number 33. Manasseh was a wicked king. He was the son of a king named Hezekiah. Hezekiah, for the most part of his life, had pleased the Lord. He stumbled at the end. And he had a son named Manasseh. In 2 Chronicles chapter 33, the Bible says in verse 1, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. But did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, likened to the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. In verse number 6, as we come to the very end of the verse, the Bible said he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Manasseh was a wicked king. He was a wicked ruler. He drew the hearts of the people away. He caused them to be disobedient to the Lord. Look in verse number 9. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spake to Manasseh. Hey, that, this is the messenger of mercy. In the midst of his wickedness and debauchery, here he is seeking, or not seeking rather, but receiving an offer of God's mercy in the fact that God spoke to him. God was speaking to Jonah that night on the sea and no doubt all the way to Joppa. And the Bible says here that Manasseh heard the voice of the Lord, that the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, verse 10, but they would not hearken. They would not listen. Oftentimes when things are going well for us, we're not really ready to listen. But when things change, when circumstances come to us, it's amazing how much we hear then. And the Bible says in verse number 11, wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. In verse number 14, the Bible says, Now after this, 
I'm glad to know that there's an after this, aren't you? During those times of rebellion, during those times of chastening, during those difficult days when we cry out unto God and he hears our cry, I'm glad to know that this will pass and there is a time afterwards where I can serve the Lord. That time is coming for Jonah. That time came for Manasseh and that time will come for you if you're willing to call on the name of the Lord. In verse number 15, and he took away the strange gods and the idol out of the house of the Lord. Imagine that, out of the house of the Lord. There was an idol in the temple of God. And all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem, and he cast them out of the city, and he repaired the altar of the Lord and sacrificed thereon peace offerings and thank offerings and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. What a turnaround in the life of this man named Manasseh who sought the Lord because of his affliction. What happened in the life of Jonah? In the midst of his affliction, he sought the Lord. Affliction can be a gift to you and I to bring us to God. The second thing I want you to see is the abandonment which directed his prayer. It was the affliction which prompted his prayer, but here we see the abandonment which directed his prayer. Notice, if you would, please, as he continues his prayer in verse number four, he said, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Jonah swallowed up in the belly of the well. I can't even imagine how that was. Can you? It's dark in there. It smells really bad. It's really uncomfortable. The gastric acid and juices of that whale burning the skin of Jonah. Bible commentators believe that it bleached his skin. Here he is. All alone. Have you ever been there? All alone. In the belly of a whale, in the midst of the sea, with no cell phone. (laughs) With very little hope, if any. Nobody to cry out to. Nobody to talk to. No light, no moment of ease, no comfort. In fact, he compared it to hell. Just suffering, just torment, just hopelessness, just despair. And he said, I am cast out of thy sight. In other words, Lord, you don't even see me down here. I'm all alone. What a hopeless feeling. What a pitiful feeling. And let me tell you, the soul that rejects Jesus will spend an eternity out of God's sight, suffering in torments, suffering in the flame, suffering in their sin and iniquity. And the greatest suffering is that there's no hope of ever being relieved 
ever. Jonah said, I'm all alone. I've been abandoned. The psalmist in Psalm 142 in verse number four said, I looked on my right hand. David wrote this psalm when he was in the cave fleeing from Saul. He said, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Have you ever been there? I'm looking for help. I'm I'm looking for somebody to take up my cause. Saul has unjustly accused me of betraying him and and seeking to undermine him. There's no truth to this. And there are many people who want me dead, and there are many uh, armies pursuing after me, and I can't find anybody who will defend me. I can't find anybody who will take up my cause. I'm all alone, and nobody cares. No man cared for my soul. So what are you going to do, David, in the cave? What are you going to do, Jonah, in the belly of the whale, in the depths of the sea, traveling who knows where, out of the sight of God? He says in verse 4, Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Now, how in the world is he going to do that? He can't see the holy temple. He can't see his hand in front of his face. He's going to do it in faith. He's going to look to God. I want to tell you, when you feel abandoned and alone, there's one you can look to. His name is Jesus. And he has promised that he would never leave you nor forsake you. You see, the truth is that it was Jonah who abandoned God. But God never abandoned Jonah. And God will never abandon you. In Genesis chapter 32, I want to ask you to turn there with me. There's a man named Jacob. And Jacob has spent many, many years in a place called Padanaram, serving his father-in-law Laban, and now he's returning home. He has just received news that his brother Esau, who he had betrayed many, many years earlier, and who wanted to kill him. Esau wanted him dead. They just told Jacob, hey, Esau has heard that you're coming back into the land of promise. And he and his men are coming to see you. And what did Jacob do? He began to fear. He began to cry out to God and seek God's protection because he felt sure that Esau would execute vengeance upon him. And then he began to plan and scheme as Jacob was prone to do to try to manage the situation. Isn't that just like us to pray and give it to God and seek God and then after we've prayed to go back to our usual business of trying to figure out how we can make the outcome we want? Is that faith? And so Jacob begins to 
send uh, gifts of animals and flocks to Esau to appease his wrath. They went in different uh, drives, one after the other. Here's a gift from Jacob. And then a little while later, and here's another gift from Jacob. And then finally, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 32, in verse number 22, and he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the Ford Jabbok. This is what means the most to him in all the world, his wives and his children. And he took them and he sent them over the brook and sent over Notice the language of the Bible, that he had. The word jabbok means emptying. It means to empty oneself. What has he done? He's divided his servants. He's divided his flocks. He sent them ahead. He's trying to manage the situation. Maybe if Esau gets one group of animals, he won't get the rest. He's also trying to appease him with gifts of animals. He divides his children up by the order of, uh, or their mothers rather, and he sends them over. He is completely alone. He is completely empty. Notice it in verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. I don't know about you, but I can tell you I don't like to be alone. But that is exactly the place where we often need to be. In this busy world, God knows how to get us alone so that he can speak to us. Verse 24 and Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him unto the breaking of the day. Who was that man? That was the Lord. Most of the striving that we're doing with people or with self is really us striving with the Lord, wrestling against God and his purposes and plans. And God is bringing us into submission. Verse 25, and when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. You see, Jacob would not let him go. The angel said, let me go, in verse 26, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. The problem with most of us is we're, we're willing to give up the hold on Jesus far too easily. We'll grab a hold of him just for a moment and then let him go. But here's a man who is in desperate situation. Here's a man who's all alone and abandoned, and he will not let Jesus go. He'd been content to let him go for the last 20 years, but no more. He said, I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to hold on to you. And let me tell you, when he passes by your way, you better take hold of him. Amen. You know that he has the power to shake you off. But as long as you cling to him, that's really what he desires to have. And so he says unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And there is a confession right there. The confession is, yes, I'm the supplanter. 
I'm the schemer. I'm the manipulator. That is who I am. He is confessing to God who he is. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. Hey, the place of abandonment can become the place of blessing. He blessed him there. The place of loneliness, the place of despair can be the place of blessing in your life if you'll take hold of Jesus. And Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. The abandonment which directed his prayer. We see thirdly in verse number seven, the ailment which stirred his prayer. The ailment. Here he is now in the belly of the well, suffering, running out of strength. Who knows how much time he has left. And he says in verse number seven, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came in unto thee into thine holy temple. He was weary and faint. He was about to give up. Have you ever been there? The Bible said, and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There are times in life when we get weary and especially in those times when we're running from God, when we're living in the life of disobedience. The Bible said the way of the transgressor is hard. Just ask Samson. You know the story. God said, I'm going to give you a boy. Told his parents that. He's going to be a Nazarite separated unto me. I've got a purpose for his life. He's going to be a judge. He's going to deliver the nation of Israel from the Philistines. But Samson liked to flirt around with the world like so many of us. He wanted to hold on to God with one hand and the world with the other. And it cost him dearly. And finally, Delilah enticed him and he told her all of his heart and she afflicted him by cutting off the hair of his head. And she said, Samson, the Philistines be upon you. And he, he arose, the Bible says, and he shook himself as, as, at, as at other times before. But he wist not that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. And so they took him prisoner. And to the house of Dagon they came to worship their God. And they said, bring Samson in, bring him in. Let's see this guy who... Who, who killed so many of our people. And let's see what's become of him. And they brought him in. His eyes had been gouged out. And they made fun of him. They laughed at him. They brought praises to their God because of his defeat and because of his fall. 
And the Bible says in Judges chapter 16 and verse 25, and it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they called upon Samson, verse 26, and Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, suffer me that I may fill the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. You see, here's a man who had strength. He had the power of God, but now he has no strength and no power with God. He's faint. He's weak. And he cries out unto the Lord in verse 28, Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up of the one with his right hand and the other with his left hand. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. You see, Samson could testify tonight the way of the transgressor is hard. It will rob you of your strength. It will bring you to the point of collapse. And this is where he found himself. The ailment which stirred his prayer. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer, like Samson's, came in unto thee into thine holy temple. And then lastly, we see the assurance received through his prayer the assurance received through his prayer. Here's a man in trouble. Here's a man who has acknowledged his sin. He's turning to God. He is seeking the Lord in the midst of this affliction. He understands that God has done it all. He understands that he's all alone, but really he's not because God is still not forsaken him. And he receives as he cries out to God, assurance. Isn't it amazing how a moment with God can change your perspective? That's why I so dearly love Wednesday night service. You're in the middle of the week and you've been dealing with things and troubles come and trials come and anxieties and pressures of life come and you get together with God's people and you get in his presence and you came in one way, but you leave totally changed. The burden is lifted. You've been in the presence of the Lord. You see, when you cry out to God and he hears your prayer and he communes with you, you're lifted out of the belly of well and into his presence. And we can come boldly into his presence, into the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Prayer opens the door into the presence of God. And you and I can visit there anytime we like. The terrible, dreadful part of that is, is that we take so little advantage of it. But when we do, and when we learn to cast our cares upon him, when we hear his voice, 
then God strengthens us and gives us assurance. Notice in verse number eight, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. He's speaking here concerning perhaps the Ninevites. They observe lying vanities. They worship gods of their own imagination. And in their idolatry, they became extremely immoral and wicked people, violent people, as vile and as violent as any group of people throughout the history of the world. A cruel and a harsh enemy. And Jonah despised them. And he wanted their judgment. He didn't want their mercy. But God is teaching him a lesson here. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy because of their idolatry and their immorality. They were not going to receive mercy. Forty days and God would destroy the city. But if they would turn from those lying vanities and turn to truth, they would receive mercy. How about those sailors on the boat? crying out into their gods, the gods of the sea, asking their gods, their, their, their pagan uh, gods, the gods of their own imagination to save them and then coming to know the true and the living God, the God who made the sea and all that is therein. You see, they turned away from lying vanities and they received mercies. Here Jonah is is understanding God's purpose. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. The truth of the matter is that Jonah has become an idol himself. He's, he's worshiping an idol that is not God. He's decided what's right and what's wrong. He's decided what's best. He's decided that he doesn't want the enemy to have an opportunity to repent. And anytime you and I take the decision-making power away from God and think about how arrogant we are to even think that we could do that and decide not to obey him but to do things our way, we have created an idol. And now Jonah's beginning to identify from the belly of that whale. He's beginning to identify with those sailors, and he's beginning to identify with those Ninevites. And he says, Lord, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. You see, Jonah here gives thanks from the belly of the whale. And what does he give thanks for? He gives thanks for this truth, that God has turned him from his rebellion and caused him once again to call upon the name of the Lord. He was thankful for salvation, deliverance. He was thankful for the abiding grace of God, and he surrendered to do what God had called him to do. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. God can save any group of people he wants to save. And he can employ any mechanism he chooses to employ to do it. 
And so he surrendered. Notice verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. The Lord said, I think I've accomplished my purpose here with old Jonah. I think he's ready to go now. I think I'm going to give this whale a case of indigestion. And up he goes. Thinking about prayer as we close this message. Just, I just wrote down four thoughts. Prayer is always a possibility. It's always a possibility. I went to the hospital yesterday. I prayed with the family of a 27-year-old girl. And the doctors had told her family, there's nothing more that we can do for her. And they had to make a decision to continue on life support or not. I didn't know these people. I tried to get to know them. I talked to them about the Lord. There's obviously some trouble in their lives. And we gathered in the ICU room and we prayed. Aren't you glad to know that it's never too late to pray? I don't know if that young lady is alive now. Her mother told me she trusted Christ as a child. But I think it's evident that perhaps she didn't follow the Lord very closely in her life. I don't know about her situation. God does, but I know for the rest of them, this is an opportunity for them to change course. Prayer is always a possibility. God hears. Prayer brings us into the presence of God. Anytime we need him, we can go to him. Prayer conforms us to the purposes of God. We get off course. We have our own agenda, our own thinking, our own plans. It's not our plans, it's not our thinking that are important. It's God's plan and purpose for our lives. And the great thing about prayer is not that we're trying to convince God to do it our way. It's that when we enter into his presence that he places his desire for our lives into our hearts. Oftentimes our children will ask us something and we'll give them the answer and they'll pretend they didn't hear it and ask again. And maybe after the fifth or sixth time you say, look, I'm finished talking about this. This is the way it is. And every once in a while, they'll decide just to hang around, hoping that you'll change your mind. Look, we don't bend God to our will in prayer. He bends us to his. And then prayer avails us of the power of God.
when our soul is weary and faint, when we're sinking down, prayer avails us of the power of God. Jonah, when was the turning point? When I prayed. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.